this is Jamie Shokum, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Today we're with Editor-in-Chief Michael Sohn of Tapas. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Cool. So, yeah, my name is Michael Sohn, Editor-in-Chief at Tapas Media. Um, Tapas is a open publishing platform for webcomics and web novels. Uh, we're home to over 50,000 creators and over 70,000 original stories. Um, our goal is to make sure that there's uh, something out there for everyone and that we're telling stories they can't find anywhere else in the world. Cool. Uh, what kind of, do you guys have any limitations on genres or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, I think that, you know, because it's web comics and web novels and, you know, these are stories that people want to tell uh, regardless of any situation, right? Like, uh, if they're doing it for fun or if they're trying to do this professionally, they're trying to explore some type of truth that speaks um, to some uh, passion that they have. And so we're not really restricted by genre per se. I mean, we do have like a set of genres that we have on platform, but honestly, you can tell any story that you want to tell. Okay. Yeah, I noticed there was a lot of interesting stuff there. Right? <laughs> I mean, it just looks like there is... Uh, an interesting smattering, especially it looks like it had a lot of stuff with an anime, or sorry, uh, a manga feel to it. Oh yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the the creators on Tapas have been in some way influenced by manga or anime. I mean, I, me personally, like I grew up reading manga, watching anime, so um, I think that this is kind of like their take on that artistic style. I think you'll see like a wide variety of different art styles in general. But yeah, I would say a lot of them are art influenced in some way or another with their exposure to anime and manga. When it comes down to it, how would you describe Tapas? Um, how would I describe Tapas? That's a great question. I mean, Tapas derives from the term or from the, the original Spanish word tapas, which is like, you know, bite-sized snacks. Um, so as we approach storytelling, you know, we really want to approach it as like bite-sized stories on the go. Um, so I would say that a lot of the comics and web novels on platform are a lot shorter when it comes to each episode. Um, you know, we really want to be a home for readers and creators for them to spend anywhere from like three to like 10 minutes uh, per day, just trying to explore new stories. Okay. Basically, is it more like an app type situation, or is it an actual? Is it more of an app type situation, or an actual uh, website? Where's the emphasis on? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we started off primarily as a web platform, um, and then we introduced uh, our mobile apps into the market a few years ago. Uh, and then we just saw that there's just so many readers out there that wanted to explore stories via the mobile app. You know, um, when you're exploring traditional comics, you kind of have to either go to like a traditional brick and mortar uh, comic shop or you can potentially go to Barnes and Noble. Um, when a comic is collected in a trade, you can order it off of Amazon. But there is like um, kind of more uh, hurdles to go through if you want to like have access to those stories. Um, and for us, you know, we wanted to reframe that discussion. So we wanted to make stories, whether it's a webcomic or web novel, as easily accessible as possible. So putting it where people already are, you know, so many people use uh, cell phones and use a ton of apps. So why not just present comics in an easily digestible format, such as a, a, an app reader? Okay. 
Yeah, because I know you have the same basic format that, um, that Webtoons uses, so... Yeah, it's a very popular format, I would say, in Asia already. I think we're just seeing it really take off in, like, the Western market. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was looking at Topics, when I was looking at Topics, I noticed that basically it was broken down by more of a frame-by-frame type situation rather than a full page. Uh, yeah, it depends on, um, like, series per series. Because we're, like, an open platform, you know, creators... Um, are able to publish in whatever format they want. Um, you know, so something like a Cassandra Comics will have maybe four to five panels per episode and something like, um, let me think, like something like a Magical Boy might have anywhere from like 40 to 50 panels per episode. So it varies depending on what you're reading and what you're experiencing. Yeah, I mean, it definitely leads itself to more of a cinematic, more of a cinematic feel for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So, all right, for a web, for basically like web comic creator, what would be the advantage you going with Tapas versus somebody else? Uh, you know that's a good question. I mean, even though I am part of the Tapas team, I still strongly recommend that every creator explore every possible platform out there. Um, you know, whether it's like a Tapas um, or even something like a DeviantArt, I don't know if that's still as relevant, but like Twitter, um, Instagram for sure, um, just to really figure out like what platform makes the most sense for them um, in terms of like what advantages Topaz presents. Um, you know, we're an open publishing platform where anyone can succeed. Uh, all of our monetization tools help support the creative endeavor, are, are free for everyone to use, like whether it's like the ad revenue program where uh, you can get ad revenue based on the number of views you get, um, or our support program, which is kind of like an altruistic crowdsourcing uh, mechanism where your fans can uh, tip you, like your microtransaction model, uh, to help support you. Um, you know, our goal is really to figure out how do we create sustainable forms of revenue uh, for such a new industry as web comics. Yeah, web comics is one of those weird industries that just has a really lot of a lot of history towards it. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of interesting to see certain new platforms such as yourself or such as Tapas come out there compared to say something like uh, Comic Genesis or the Duck Comics. Yeah, wow, I haven't heard those names in quite a while. Like the old school players, yeah, for sure. Amongst them are like Comic Comic Fury, you know, Smack Jeeves, I think is one of like the old guards for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, the Duck Comics is uh, sort of a rebranding of Drunk Duck, so mm. and they're still uh, they're still sort, sort of going on. So, all right. So, what are some of the interesting stuff that you guys have got coming up? Uh, so some more interesting things that we got coming up. Let's see. Um, we just introduced a couple new genres on the platform. You know, we uh, introduced the LGBTQ plus genre as well as the GL genre. Um, we're hoping to improve the genre system as a whole, allowing for uh, readers and creators to better identify what they would be interested in. So like, let's say you're a creator, right? And you're working on a story that isn't necessarily like beholden to fantasy. Like maybe it's like a fantasy romance story, 
but you know our current system only allows you to pick one genre um and sometimes that's not really indicative of what your story is really about right um so we're trying to open that up to like a two genre system uh to identification of, of what you might be interested in um faster uh that's like the main thing i mean we're always always excited for the new creators and new stories that are debuting on the platform um, we have some pretty exciting stories that are coming up uh, later next quarter, I think. Um, we have some pretty well-known community members that are making all new original stories with us, and we're, we can't be more excited about that. Okay. You have some partnerships with people with, like, Boom Studios, Vault Commons, and the Hatchet Book Group. How's that working out? Uh, I think it's working out pretty well. I mean, um I think in the early days of, of digital comics, there was like this kind of panic of, you know, like digital creeping into like the, the physical format market and kind of being a disruptor. But, you know, the, the more I've worked in web comics, the more I see web comics as like a supplementary tool for physical publishers. You know, um, when we were talking to Boom, um, you know, shout out to Philip over at Boom, who's like very progressive and forward thinking when it comes to digital. Um, but when I was reading through their catalog, you know, I really fell in love with Heavy Vinyl. Um, it's a comic that was previously called Hi-Fi Fight Club. Um, but I love the creative team. I love the voice they were able to capture. And I think their target market or their target demo for that story was probably like young millennial women readers. And I guess it's like kind of tough to reach those readers in a traditional brick and mortar store. So, you know, it was really my goal when we were partnering with Boom to give that series really like a second wind um, because so many of our readers are women. And, and um, I thought that, you know, Heavy Vinyl was like a perfect fit for our platform, for our audience. Um, it, it also helped that the artist was a webcomic artist to begin with. So that aesthetic really lent itself to having like a really um, collaborative feel for like the boom and tapas experience. Um, so yeah, I think it's working out. I think we're learning more and more about, um, how to better help physical publishers reach new markets, reach new readers. Uh, and not only that, but you know, our app makes content so much more accessible. Um, so I think it's like a win-win across the board. Uh, and we're also learning a, a ton from their editorial teams over there as well. Yeah. What kind of stuff are you learning from the editorial teams? Just out of curiosity. Um, yeah, so at Tapas, you know, we're a startup. Um, so the way that we do things is we try to uh, experiment and try to figure things out on our own. Um, and we thought we had digital publishing really figured out by the end of like year five, I would say. But when talking to like physical publishers and learning more about how they structure their companies, like how they divide the different parts of editorial, whether it's like a, a, a team that is specifically dedicated to sourcing talent, a team that's dedicated specifically to marketing the work, a team that's dedicated to just the production schedule. Um, so um, bifurcating all of these different roles, I think that we're learning a lot in terms of, okay, like we see the core strengths of what physical publishing does. How can we marry that with whatever we're already doing on digital? How hard has that been to do? I mean, I know there's a lot of translation issues. Mm, I would say that um, it's been it's been an okay process so far. I think. I mean, you know, one of the difficult challenges that that we face in digital publication is 
the fact that there's so many stories. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there are 70,000 stories on top of us. I mean, that's a lot of stories to sort of parse through. Um, and, you know, to, to tell a story that stands out amongst those 70,000 stories is getting more and more difficult as the years go along because I think creators are really getting a better grasp of, of how to tell a webcomic story or how to market a webcomic story. Um, and so, you know, learning how traditional publishers kind of like vet talent or how traditional publishers identify like what's going to be next in the market has been like an eye-opening experience, I would say. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, it's an entirely different situation. Yeah, and it's also like, you know, when, when you're working in print, um, you have to plan really far ahead, right? Like, uh, you have to hit like a print deadline to get it to the printer on time. And if the printer doesn't get it on time, that derails like the shipping schedule. And then if the shipping schedule is pushed back, then, you know, the marketing falls apart. So, you know, we're learning so much about how to plan further ahead in the timeline in order to like better cater to the readers that already exist. Yeah, I mean, I know some. I know DC, for example, was trying to get into the web comics uh, market a while back, but uh, eventually their uh, Zudu project eventually failed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's tough. Um, you know, uh, publishing traditional comics and just reformatting it for the mobile experience might not be like the best way to go about things. I think you really have to look at who are the webcomic readers? What are they really enjoying or responding to? And how do we maybe recontextualize these heroes, like if we're talking about DC, to fit that audience a little bit better? I think that would probably be like the best strategy to go about it. Yeah, I mean, there's some really weird stuff when when uh, DC was trying to get into webcomics that popped up. Definitely would not have been part of the normal DC brand. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how did your incub- you have some sort of incubation I- initiative? Yeah. So we have like um, we have a couple different types of stories that we try to tell on top of us. You know, we have the open publishing platform where anyone can publish, um, and then we have this what we call the premium program, which is basically um, putting a, a series behind a paywall that utilizes like microtransactions. So uh, our goal is never to lock a reader out of the reading experience. Um, our goal is just figure out better ways for readers to help support their favorite creators. Um, and within that premium lineup, we have what we call Tapas Originals. So that's kind of, I think, what we're talking about. Um, and we're developing new original stories with all of our fan favorite uh, community creators and really working with them uh, at the beginning to develop the stories from the ground up. You know, our goal is to help those creators navigate like business development, ancillary deals, um, publishing, uh, even building art teams around them so that we can uh, make sure that creators don't burn out, which is like a very common thing in web comics. Um, you know, like the originals program, the goal is to um, alleviate any type of stress involved with storytelling and to allow the creators to focus on doing what they love most, which is just telling their stories. Just be, just to clarify something I heard, um, you have some, some you have some way of linking artists together as far as like say a writer and an illustrator. Uh, yeah, it depends. Um, so for the premium or originals, we definitely do 
um, help creators find one another. Um, for instance, we did a project called Cheshire Crossing with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. Um, Andy wasn't really interested in drawing a, a comic, but definitely interested in writing a comic. So uh, we uh, found Sarah Anderson. I mean, she, Sarah Anderson is already a massively popular webcomic creator. Um, but yeah, we paired those two together. Um, so we do that from time to time. That'd be sort of interesting to see somebody actually actually make part of their platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of difficulty. Um, I would say that there is a lot more writers looking for artists than there are artists looking for writers, if that makes sense. You know, a lot of times in web comics, uh, the writer and artist is typically like one person. Um, we see this a lot with um, the creative community. Uh, so having a platform that kind of caters to matchmaking artists and writers would be an interesting exploration for sure down the road. Yeah, I know a lot of people would be interested in it. So, um, when you were interested in becoming a comic creator, what would be a great way to actually start going at it? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, let's see. Well, I think the first thing to do is really figure out what you want to do and accomplish like creatively with the story. Um, a lot of times when we're talking to like first time creators, they really want to tell like their, their magnum opus, you know, like their 10 year epic adventure. And um, if it's your first time doing a web comic or even like a web novel, um, we typically try to tell creators, you know, you should start off a little bit smaller, um, you know, really figure out how the craft functions by just doing it. Uh, but Probably the most important step along the process is actually just publishing. You know, so many times we meet creators who make a series on top of us but never go on to publishing their first episode. So I would say, I think like anywhere from like 10 to 15 percent of creators do that. Um, so just having an episode out there and taking that first leap into the market is incredibly important, I think. And you know, just publishing at a consistent schedule, interacting with your fans is so, so important, especially in digital comics. Um, yeah, I think those would be like my biggest recommendations if you're just dipping your toe into the space, like managing expectations, really identifying what you want to accomplish creatively, putting yourself out there, publishing consistently, and also just engaging with your fans. Anyway, overcome the introverted writer problem, because that's obviously going to be an issue here. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? A lot of writers tend to be introverts. That is, they tend to not like having to deal with public. They yeah. want to basically just hide themselves off and that's it. However, mm -hmm. as you've noted, you've got to interact with people to at least some degree in order to become popular. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, if you're an introverted creator, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Uh, again, like it's recommended that you interact with your with your fans, but it's not totally necessary. You know, there are stories on topics where creators don't necessarily interact. You know, there's a there's a really popular series called Basically I Was Born a King's Daughter, um, and the fans just keep coming back because the story is so engaging, um, and the creator doesn't necessarily pop into the comment section to respond. So I think it's still a viable strategy to just publish your story and if it's engaging enough 
narratively, then people will keep coming back. You don't necessarily need to force yourself to interact with the creator or reader community. So it's totally fine if you feel like you're introverted and don't want to focus your energy or efforts in that place. How important would a show would basically be the notes that accompany some of the comics be? Oh wait, can you repeat that? Sorry, sorry. With a lot of your comics, there's obviously a point where the creators are going to have leave, be able to leave notes. You know, this is why I did this, or this is where I had a little bit of fun, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How does that help to, with the interaction? Uh, yeah, I think that. Let's see. So when I was growing up, uh, before web comics was really a solidified thing. I would have to like travel hours and hours to go to a convention to maybe get a few minutes to talk to my favorite creators. You know, in digital, whether the creators are on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, um, they've made themselves a lot more accessible. And I think having that type of personality that readers can connect connect to and really root for is pretty cool. Um, on top of us, you can leave a little author's or creator's note at the end of every episode to like clarify things or to give them a heads up on upcoming events that they might be attending or maybe even be like, hey, like, you know, there's going to be some delays or maybe like, oh, this like I've been really looking forward to revealing this like twist in the story and this is why I did it. I think those are all like really fun things that really add to the, the narrative experience that you can't typically get i guess with uh with a physical book you know unless you're like um adding like footnotes or something like a day like a david foster wallace but um yeah i think that's a really cool way to interact with your fans for sure what other ways would you suggest a comic crea- uh, creator market themselves yeah um i don't think there's really any wrong way to go about it um you know, making sure that whatever the social media strategy might be, but making sure that it feels authentic and honest, I think, is the best way to go about it. Um, other than that, like engaging with other creators, I find to be super helpful. Um, I want to definitely create a creator community where creators feel like they can support one another in this creative endeavor. I think that's really awesome. A weird suggestion, I, I would say, is to draw your original characters mashed up with some other properties, like uh, like fan art. Uh, I think that goes a long way in terms of, uh, you know, finding an audience that's already engaged with a popular property and kind of getting them to take a peek at, at what you're doing. I think that's always helpful and always interesting and cool, as long as it makes sense in terms of demographic overlap. I think that's always something that's highly recommended. I don't know, I think if I would do that, I'd be doing the exact opposite. I'd basically be finding a genre that has absolutely nothing. I'd be finding a genre that has absolutely nothing to do with my area and just simply go for it. Huh, interesting. Uh, I, I guess my question would be, like, why would you approach it in that way? Uh, first off, to basically mess around with the archetypes of the other genre as well, to establish your own archetypes in your own comic and therefore establish a sense of familiarity. Hmm. I just point out you see this a lot in the anime itself. You see stuff like people going to conventions and they'll be like a real hardcore sci-fi character and all of a sudden you'll see them dressed up as, say, a fantasy character. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't talk about the uh, Robot- or, sorry, the Voltron episode that pretty much everybody loves where it was just 
everybody having fun in a D&D setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say those are, like, tangentially related. You know, I think that there are definitely, like, demographic overlaps within those mashups. So, yeah, if you can find, like, common ground, I definitely, definitely recommend it. You know, when it comes to topics, what else are you doing for the creators? I mean, besides occasionally doing the mashups, allowing them the microtransactions, as well as the advertising, anything else you're doing to make the life of a creator a little bit easier? Yeah, um... We try to do everything possible to help creators. I mean, that's like kind of like the core focus of the company, you know. Um, we're trying to create better recommendation systems, creating more avenues for uh, newer uh, uh, newer creators to be discovered on the front page. Uh, we're trying to create a better search mechanism so that people can find relevant comics or novels that they're interested in faster. Uh, we're creating even more premium programs for creators to get involved in uh, to hopefully make uh, creating comics or novels a full-time uh, thing for more people. You know, I think you can just kind of, there's like a finite number of people that work in comics to begin with and, and to just expand that pool a little bit more to give more power to maybe some voices that aren't heard as often. I think that's like kind of like where we want to focus a lot of our resources up at, at this point. On top of that, you guys, you guys, you do anything like um, classes or anything like that, or offer workshops up for creators? Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely something that we want to explore down the road. I think currently we just, you know, we typically go to uh, colleges, we host seminars, we talk to students to sort of showcase like what they can do in the field. Um, in terms of like classes or online things, uh, we haven't really. Uh, dive too deeply into that, but that's definitely something that we've been cognizant of, and we would love to explore more of. Um, if people, if your if your fans are interested in learning more about how to make web comics, I I recommend um, Walter Osley's YouTube series. Um, I think he's doing like a really great job at at giving information and making it super accessible and easy to digest on how to make web comics. So yeah, for sure. Can, when it comes down to how much fun can I have with the tapas format, I mean, there's always the infinite canvas, for example, mm -hmm. from Scott McCloud. That would be sort of interesting to pursue. Yeah. Um, I believe you can upload up to 40 images. Each image can be up to 4,000 pixels. So we definitely, um, definitely agree with Scott McCloud. The infinite canvas is totally cool to explore. I think it's really fun and you know, we're seeing a lot more creators tinker, experiment, and innovate in that space. So, yeah, we always encourage creators to to, to take a look at, you know, like what uh, technology is available on top of this and try to push it to its absolute limits. And really, it wouldn't, there are some formats I'd like to see not show up again, like the time when a lot of webcomics were trying the uh, animated GIFs, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, basically do like a rain effect or something like that. Sometimes it worked, but usually it just came off as sort of weird. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on, on what the series is. Like, does it demand animated GIFs? Like, what does it add to the reader experience? I think these are all interesting questions to explore on the creator side. Um, what was the idea behind, I mean, yeah, straight up, what was the history of Tapas? How did it come about and what's the basic origins of it? 
Yeah. Um, so this is like the brainchild of our CEO, Chang Kim. Uh, he His background is creating amazing tech platforms. Uh, so he had to start in Blogger, which was sold to Google. And he like grew up in, in South Korea and, and was seeing like this proliferation of of web comics in Asia and how digestible and easy to access it was and how it was empowering creators. And he was really inspired to sort of start that movement in uh, the West. And so he started uh, Tapas, formerly Tapastic, um, as an open publishing platform. And over the course of these past years has been really focusing on how do we bring more tools to help more creators succeed? And how do we make comics more accessible to more readers? Um, and we've just been, you know, really focusing on uh, supporting the creator community, growing the creator community out. You know, when I first joined Tapas, uh, we had eight creators uh, on the platform, and now we have over 50,000. Um, so, yeah, we've come a long way, but our origins start from, you know, Chang's vision in, in terms of, like, how do we make comics more accessible? How do we make comics more um, easy to make, easy to publish, easy to distribute? And how do we make the creator's life uh, a lot more uh, uh, focused on, on doing what they love, which is telling stories? And how do we sort of take all the the busy work, like creating your own website and like creating an RSS feed, um, finding readers a little bit easier on them? Okay. How hard, how hard would it be to make an outgoing link from a Tapas comp to, say, a merch site or uh, to Amazon? Uh, super easy, barely an inconvenience. Um, you can create a custom series ad, um, which will appear on your series page, which can link to anything, and the ad unit can look like anything that you, that you want. So you can totally link it to like your merch store, to like a Patreon, to your social media, um, to I think I've seen some creators link it to other creators that they want to support, which is like totally rad. Um, so super easy. You know, we really want to make sure that you know that your Tapas experience really caters to what you want to accomplish. You know, if you want your readers to check out your merch, there there are definitely tools made easily accessible for you to accomplish that. That'd be great. I mean, it's really great, especially with characters you're trying to start off a Kickstarter, get us more people for their Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And just because it's a fun topic to explore, uh, what kind of merch do you suggest uh, creators actually pursue? Huh. Well, let's see. Uh, it depends. Um, it depends how much time you have, to be honest. Um, I would. I always recommend creators start off with prints. I think prints are, for, for starters, they're easy to make, relatively easy to make. The profit margins are really, really good, especially if you're printing in bulk. Um, but if you're going to conventions, I think, and this does take a lot of time and a lot of coordination, but like enamel pins, I'm in love with enamel pins. I think it's like one of the coolest pieces of merch to pick up because you can kind of wear it and kind of, you know, like whenever anyone asks me, like I wear a denim jacket all the time with a lot of creators pins on it. And whenever someone asks me, oh, where did I get it from? I get to kind of promote my favorite creators, which is always rad. You know, when you own like maybe a poster, it's kind of like up in your room. And unless people are coming over to your room, they're never really going to see how cool those prints are. But enamel pins are like kind of like a cool way to support your favorite creators. I think that's really rad. Um, T-shirts, I guess, is also like another viable approach. I think just 
Hmm. Handling t-shirts is a little bit difficult. Like they take up a lot of space. It's kind of hard to transport. Um, the profit margins aren't always the best. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely recommend prints to start off. And if you're feeling a bit adventurous, enamel pens, highly recommended. How do you feel about uh, print-on-demand type situations as far as uh, books and merch go? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's viable, especially if you're a creator that, that that's doing this as like a, a second job or like as a hobby and you might have like your day job that takes a lot of time. You know, print-on-demand solutions are great, you know, for those purposes. Um, especially if the print-on-demand services handle like the fulfillment, like the shipping, like shipping is an absolute nightmare for a lot of creators, for me personally too. Um, so if it alleviates any of that stress and you're okay with like less of a profit margin, um, it's totally a viable approach. Yeah, I point this out because some of my favorite sites like Zazzle and Cafe Press not only do the print-on-demand stuff, but they also take care of all the fulfillment as well as the ordering issues as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's basically you just create, so go to the site, create something, slap, a bit more accurately, slap your brand on something, and then just advertise that you're selling it. Yeah, yeah. And they handle virtually everything else on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's real fun when they, you start looking at some of the enamel pin problems. However, uh, creepy that? Sorry. Uh, some of the print-on-demand sites handle their enamel pins a little bit weird. When most people think enamel pins are basically looking like uh, cutouts, basically of the characters or whatever you're looking at, mm-hmm. whereas yeah, some of the yeah. print-on-demand sites tend to more or less tend towards like uh, just squares and circles, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the the die-cut stuff a little bit better. I think it, it it's a more interesting silhouette, but. You know, like whatever works for the creator, I think that's definitely the route to pursue, whether you want die cut or maybe like standard shapes, uh, whatever looks good and whatever makes the creator happy. All right. So where do you see webcomics going? What kind of trends do you see coming up? Uh, trends in the webcomic space, uh, more diversity. I think that's always one of the most beautiful aspects of webcomics uh, and web novels, uh, more diverse voices. Um, the quality of the storytelling, of the art, of the language has always been improving year after year. Um, I think that is going to be more and more difficult to distinguish, quote unquote, professional creators from like first time creators or hobbyists. I think that's a trend that we're really looking forward to. I mean, a lot of these creators are super young and ridiculously talented. There's so much information out there to help you improve your craft. And I think that's what we're most excited about, you know, it's like when you take away the gatekeepers for publishing, what are you going to find? You're going to find like a whole new landscape of storytelling. So yeah, I would say what's on the horizon for webcomics is uh, overall improvement in quality as well as a diversification for the voices and characters that are going to be represented in our space. Any other type of genres you see becoming popular? Um, I mean, I'm hoping that more fringe genres start to pick up in the webcomic space. I think it would kind of be a shame if webcomics mirrored, uh, like pop culture too much. You know, like, um, I think because you're only limited to what you can write and what you can draw and what you can imagine in the webcomic and web novel world, it kind of behooves us to try to experiment and to sort of marry 
and 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 mash up genres as much as possible you know so i'm hoping like weird fiction takes off a little bit more i'm hoping that um more eclectic genre mashes mashups take off a bit more i think that would be really really rad yeah i strangely think that if you could basically figure out a way to go with more of a keyword type situation rather than a straight one or two genres i think it might actually help in that regard yeah i mean i definitely agree i mean we've been experimenting a lot in that regards like um we have a genre you know like i guess a, a perfect example is like lgbtq plus as a genre you know i don't think that's like traditionally a a entertainment genre i would say like if i were to ask you like what stories come to mind when you, when you think of lgbtq plus um it's kind of hard to define right like would you say oh comedy series drama series fantasy series like which are you know those three genres are more traditional genre definitions right um so as we explore new genres or new types of stories i think that we will be introducing more nuanced keywords for sure i mean definitely think of stories that are more of the more for the lgbt community such as lumberjanes or the young defenders Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, those yeah. tend to go back under other genres. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, I totally agree. And that's kind of like why we we felt the necessity to start introducing like multiple genres per series to better like define or to better explain to a reader like what they're going to be getting into. And does it help that when you start looking at a lot of web comics, you start seeing a lot of just simply weirdness when it comes to, you know, a lot of them don't quite fit in just one particular genre all that well. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where, you know, we've seen a couple times where a story will evolve in terms of its genre definition. So, like, it'll start off as, like, a, an action comedy and then gradually evolve into a mystery romance. So, like, how do you adequately, like, capture that within, like, standard genre definitions, right? Um, so I think we're trying to explore that as well more and more as we go along. That would definitely be worth it. I mean, even you even see it when it comes to straight anime. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite right now has got to be uh, Gurren Lagann, which started off as a uh, basically a straight shonen series and then went uh, basically space opera at one point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So... All right, so any particular education or any type of classes you expect for a webcomic creator to take on? Uh, that's a great question. Um, not really, I would say. I mean, I think that I'm more excited to see what new creators have to say in our space. You know, creators that aren't um, beholden to traditional comics or traditional means of comics production. You know, I think some of the most exciting stuff that we've seen on Tapas are from first-time creators who might not have known a whole lot about comics to begin with, but because they didn't know, they they broke all the rules and, and created something more nuanced and, and exciting and fresh. So uh, I don't really have any strong recommendations for education other than like the Walter Osley uh, YouTube series that he's doing. I think that stuff is just great in general, so yeah. Okay. All right. So any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Like if you're a creator that's wanting to get into the space, now is the best time to do it. Um, digital publishing has never been easier. There's more readers than ever. 
Um, and if you're a reader that, that, that wants to explore stories that you can't find anywhere else, please do uh, give us a try. We're at tapas.io. You can find us on the app stores, whether it's iOS or Android. There's something for everyone, and I hope that there is uh, everything to someone on here. Um, so, yeah, I guess those are like my final thoughts. I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. I had a ton of fun talking about all this stuff and hope I can be back for more later on. Probably something, we'll see what happens in about six months, see how top this is going. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be interesting to check in every so often just see what's going what's going on with the site. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, all right, I guess that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews is brought to you by Podfaves.com. You love podcasts, but it's hard finding that next bingeable show. Podfaves has taken out the guesswork by easily identifying the best podcasts out there, so you can spend less time searching and more time listening. That's P-O-D-F-A-V-S dot com. And that's our show. For those interested in supporting the show, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O. This features minicasts, the next episode, and unedited interviews, and I'm working on transcripts of the various shows. We also have an Alexis app offering two-minute minicasts offering writing and business tips, as well as affirmations to keep you writing. We also have curated playlists on YouTube with all the shows broken down to different playlists based on topic. It also includes a good part of available minicast as well as the Alexis briefs. So please support our Patreon page, download the Alexis app, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, and please talk to us on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.